0: And we're live! Welcome back for another episode. Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction, mostly doc. But uh, without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Miss Veronica Jaguer. Did I pronounce it right? Anywhere close? did! Good job. All right, now we will go with Veronica, so I cannot mess it up. So I go out of women. All right. Uh, Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers in case they don't know who you are? Sure.
1: Um, Hi, I'm Veronica Jaguer, also known as just V for those who don't want all eight letters. And I'm an audiobook narrator, a science fiction author, podcaster, and recovering academic.
0: The recovering academic I can relate to. My first narrator told me that I got had to, or not narrator. First uh, editor told me I had to stop writing like I was writing uh, dissertation papers and limit myself to two commas per sentence. Because <laughs> you know the long-winded, multiple clause sentences that that historians like to use. Apparently, that's just not cool. Yeah, so I it's feel your-
2: not cool, Jr. It's not cool at all. But very little about you is cool, so it's okay.
0: This is this is also true. But you know, it's, we all have our crosses to bear. I'm genius. You're cool. You know, we can't all win.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, we'll she,
0: leave it a, at that. <laughs> so the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, is how we first found them. So I actually found uh V back in the day when I first started listening to the um uh, listeners of the Dead Robot society. No, it's technically it's just the Dead Robot Society is the official name. Uh and she narrated Terry's books, and so I would I listened to them and I really liked her narration style. And that's you were actually the first the second audiobook I've ever listened to was yours. Oh, wow. The first one was uh, was um, Richard Fox's because Podium when I signed my contract with him gave me a free copy just to, sh- ah. to prove like proof of service. Mm-hmm. So they they gave me to prove they could work with veterans. And then once I said, hey, auto are kind of cool. Uh, then I bought all of Terry's. This is before I realized you could get the subscription. So I paid for them all in cash. Let me tell you, I slept on the couch for oh. a week for that massive expense. And I hope you didn't spend it all in one place. see. Wow! Um, uh, I got the whole Empire of Bones things before I knew I could get the uh, audio credits. Now
1: I'm trying to think of how, but how many were out at that point? Seven. Oh, so like three cups of coffee.
0: Oh wow, they keep that much. That's a shame.
1: Unless you have expensive
0: tasting coffee.
2: Well, I, but I will say this one: I now understand why Jr. gave me this long lecture about how Audible works all from a consumer side point yes
1: i I learned the hard way it's a good thing there are multiple options both for selling that's jr's favorite way
0: so doc was it uh when i gave you did you find hers when i gave you the free the free um what do you call it copy when we did the review that's That's how how i I I found
2: found her and became hooked and Honestly, as much as I like Terry's Mixon's writing, I'm not sure if it was the writing, the narration, or the comedy. It's probably the combination of the two, but I was hooked. And so I'm like, and the funny thing is I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time. And so I'm sitting there shelving books, listening to this and they're like, what are you reading? Nothing that we sell here.
1: You can't get this in brick and mortar. How dare you?
0: Do um do you I sell your audiobooks? Books. Do you Veronica, do you sell your audiobooks to the distributor that Barnes and Noble uses cuz I know they sell audiobooks?
1: Um I think that's the that's the thing with with audiobook narrators, we're more of like a business to business service. So it's up to the rights holder to figure out where they want to distribute. So if someone distributes wide, then yeah, they're probably going to be available on Kobo. I think Kobo is what they're still using. Um but it, it depends. I know that you can for some titles you can get them everywhere, and some titles are just limited to the big three.
0: I know with Audible, there's not a real benefit to be exclusive other than the percentage. But I mean, you if you could take your print and your audiobook wide, I would think you you would. I don't see why you wouldn't.
1: It's it's. I think there's a little more work on the the rights holders part for that. But yeah. if you're willing to put in the work or if you're going to, if if you wind up working through a, like a, a smaller publication company that handles a lot of the distribution and marketing for you, um, then you get a better deal. It's an investment at the top of things, but you're going to get your books in more places and get more money in the long run.
0: That makes sense.
2: It is, a, I think, so it's kind of like, with Kindle it's either a slow or a fast game which one are you going to play Exactly So the
0: the one difference is if you do, if you sell outside of Amazon you actually have to pay for an ISBN in America Now I've heard in Canada that they can get their ISBNs for free if you're a Canadian citizen and you're publishing through Canada, I don't know that to be true. I, the Canadian author who told me that might have just been busting my chops. It's possible. Nathan does that to me, but uh, either way, the ISBN can get you because the audiobook, the ebook, and the print all need different ones. Mm-hmm. So that that is another barrier to entry that some people don't want to deal with. When you can upload it essentially for free to Amazon, no muss, no fuss. So. Alright, before we well, normally we would threaten to kick you off if you get these answers wrong, but Doc won't let me do that. So instead, Doc, just ask her the religion question. We won't even pretend. Okay.
2: okay so Okay. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly?
1: And I'm not allowed to pick all three. You can pick
2: mm-hmm. all three. I'm poly polytheistic. You can pick okay. be too.
1: Because I have to I have to pick all three because um, if it wasn't for Star Wars, I wouldn't have run my first half marathon and sworn that my knees need to like survive past that um one of my earliest memories is watching star trek with my dad like original series star trek when they were in the first set of reruns and fireflies just it's firefly how do you not love it
0: so the the trick to that question is you can say one two three or D all of the above, or you could say all of those suck and name something else. We've had a few Hoovians do that to us. Uh, oh, those yeah. proper British uh, types.
1: But uh, I'm I'm cool for Doctor Who as well. So I mean,
0: so so I you mean, have a failure to commit on to the... Of
2: the Doctor we're talking about. I'm definitely down.
0: <laughs> so w- how did Star Wars get you to run a half marathon? I've listened and it didn't make okay. me decide I wanted to run 13 miles. Okay,
1: so um. <laughs> I live in Florida, and at the time, years ago, my sister was talking about coming down here because she used to work for Disney, and Disney puts on different, like, race series.
2: Oh, Star Wars Half Marathon,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, oh. so there's the Star Wars Half Marathon, so the the at the parks, the first year I ran the first Star Wars 10K, And that was, let me see if I can actually run for more than five minutes and not die. I am not a runner by any stretch of the imagination. So, but I trained for it and tried and lo and behold, I actually finished and I wasn't last, I certainly wasn't first, but I got a shiny medal and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Well, the next year I thought, why not try to run a half marathon? I did what they called the dark side challenge, which meant that you went in on Saturday morning and ran the 10K. And then on Sunday morning, you ran the half marathon. And I somehow managed to do that. I ran the 10K on two hours of sleep because I had anxiety attacks beforehand for whatever reason. And then I managed to get about six hours of sleep the next night and run the half marathon. And then the Sunday after that, I submitted my resignation letter at the university to become a full-time audiobook narrator. So, so yeah. But I figured anything that would let me, like, run around in a Star Wars-themed tank top and high-five Jawas and sand people as I'm, you know, passing the seven and eight mile markers, I was all for. Interesting.
2: I could see that. That would actually might motivate me and
1: considering if, if yeah if, if you run like i was running past the sand people because they have like the the five hundred first they come volunteer and they line the route and some people go like full out costume i was just i'm gonna have the cool t-shirt because running with a tutu was not appealing no. So we're running and they, they have you run through the parks. So at one point you're running into Hollywood studios and they have a line, of course, a line of sand people. And I run past, and I put my arms up like, you know, the where they're holding the staff above their heads. And one of them answered me. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I now have the energy to finish this race. Um, course I finished and iced both of my knees and went back and collapsed but that seems legit I finished and that's what matters
0: I love that
2: that is like the geekiest healthiest story we've had on the show
0: I've only ran one half marathon and I ran the Mm -hmm. peach tree uh, marathon uh, which is in Georgia but I ran it from Iraq when I was over, they they did it and they gave us the t-shirts, but we ran it there the same day they were running it back in Georgia. And it was through what had been a minefield. So they told us like not to go off course because it might, we might blow up. And they even threw a rock and something went off. But looking back on it, I'm like, the army can't have been that dumb. That was probably a prop, just a mess with our minds. It's probably not really a minefield. But at the time we were believers because it was early war. So it was vi- it was was it was a possibility that maybe they hadn't cleared the minefield all the way.
2: I would not put it past them To not have done it.
0: Yeah. So everyone was like, this is the slowest half marathon I've ever run. I'm normally so fast. And my squad leader, she was actually like a actual legit marathon runner. Uh, And she was like, yeah, because you couldn't cheat this time. (laughs) (laughs) Because no one could cut corners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was
0: savage. I I love that woman. All right, Doc. We've got one more one more round of the, the religious trifecta to see if she can she can make it through.
2: So Game of Thrones,
1: Wheel of Time, or Willow. Um, I respectfully plead the fifth because I'm behind on my book and television consumption.
0: That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. You only have so many hours in a day and you know, so much brain power to and, and I, that. I need
2: you to keep narrating Empire boats.
0: Well, first we gotta get Terry to write more of them.
2: Yes, that, that this is also true. Yeah, I know. I'm so disappointed that he stopped putting the short story bonus in the omnibus.
0: I like that too. I thought that was yeah. a brilliant idea.
1: Yeah, he, he does need a couple more books there.
2: Yeah, he does. It's not done yet. Um, Terry may think he's done, but he's wrong. No.
0: Well, he's oh, gonna no. he said he said he's gonna write uh, one or two more, and then he's going to close that series and then do spinoffs. He's got the Imperial Marines spinoff he's going to do. He's talking about another one. All I know is the lady that they got to replace you for the Imperial Marines did not have her stuff together. So instead of a route, it was a route, like a tree root, instead of a military route. That one bugged me. And adjutant instead of adjutant, another military one that I-, I get how she didn't know. but And then my favorite was Corpsman.
2: Okay, we're going. If if we keep going, I'm going to ask her one of my favorite questions.
1: I've learned to ask audiobook narrators.
0: All right, well let, let let's get us going then, Doc. You've I'm got, sorry, got I'm, more. I'm
1: in shock for the mispronunciations, but okay.
0: I I gave Terry a ration for that one.
1: Did you threaten to pull back
2: his DD two fourteen?
0: His answer was, "They paid me, not my problem." <laughs> yeah (laughs) okay when when you sign your rights away you only have so much control admittedly true true all right doc
2: okay so getting into some of this stuff about veronica who we love what was your first love sci-fi
1: or fantasy okay so probably fantasy because um just trying to think of what I would watch and read. But as a kid growing up in the eighties and nineties, your fantasy and sci-fi kind of got all mashed together. Um, right. One of my favorite books growing up was A Wrinkle in Time. And that had both sci-fi and fantasy elements, especially if you continued the series, um, because there was time travel and there was a lot of science behind it, but it was also very fantastical. And I mean, I watched, I remember watching, you know, Star Trek Next Generation the first time through and getting hooked on that. But I also like binge read David Eddings. Um, Ooh, excellent authors. Yes, I still have the.
0: The Bulgarian and the Bulgariad series. The,
1: Bulga- the Bulgariad, I have. Do I have that one here? One, what, one of. No, I have the Malorian. The Malorian is the one I have in the house um, along with the Pulgaria the Sorceress and Bulgaria the Sorcerer, those books I have. But the five book, Bulgariad, um, I borrowed from a high school boyfriend because he was like, you should read these. I'm like, oh, sure. These look like fun. And then I like consumed them and went to find more books. And um, yeah.
0: All right, so those are those are excellent books, and I hope I hope you got to keep the books when the breakup happened. You know, in the custody yeah, he papers. He dumped
1: me. I, I can go find that. I can
2: I can go find my own copies. If he dumps you, <laughs> then you're allowed to keep whatever spoils of war there <laughs>
1: were. Just well, there you True. go. The lady has spoken. True.
0: Uh, so, what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre? Because you both write it, read it, and narrate it.
1: I think I just like all the possibilities because. You're it's like you've got this big yard that's kind of fenced in, but there's so much space in the middle to play in. And yeah, there's some rules, but they're more like guidelines and suggestions. And you can always pick up and set something in a new world, or you can take aspects of what you're familiar with and you know, modify it and grow it. So I think it's just the, it's full of possibility and you can make it as light or dark as you want. So okay. it, it's it, its nerdy imagination.
0: I, guess. I dig it. So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you both narrating and writing your own stories in this space? And which came first?
1: Um. So it started with writing. When I was, I, I would... I know when I was in like junior high, I would try to write my own stories, and I had a couple friends, and one of them, we would write stories back and forth, and they're the sort of stories that nowadays would get me kicked out of high school. Um, But we would, yeah, uh, but I, we would write stories, and we had those folders with loose leaf paper and like the three hole.
0: Your trapper keeper,
1: yeah. So I know what you're talking about. Do those, and we'd have loose leaf paper, and we'd write the stories in there, and we would hand the folder off between classes because we didn't always have the same classes together. And so there were times where I got in trouble for writing stories in pre-calc, or you know, not focusing, or getting bored with something, and then writing stories. But nobody ever took the stories away. And then I didn't write at all in college (laughs) because um, engineering, and I did theater. But if when you're doing theater at an engineering school, if you can memorize lines and have a pulse, they'll put you on stage. So they did. And I was consistently typecast as the old lady. Um, I was somebody's mom or somebody's auntie. What? I. I, So I'm in better physical shape now than I was in college. And so I was very matronly looking. Um, and I just, I didn't fit the, the, I didn't fit the visual of a young ingenue, but I could be somebody's mom. So <laughs> that, that's, that's what I got. I mean, JR's mom's awesome. Yeah.
0: You just say that because she likes you more than she likes me. And that's just totally not fair.
2: Hey, somebody has to like me best because yeah. my mom doesn't. She likes you better. So-
0: this is true your mother has taste clearly not mine but yours does um so you you said you were an engineering major like what what field of engineering
1: um i was an ocean engineering major who focused on naval architecture and uh, hydromechanics and my first job out of my first job out of college i was a civilian contractor at the what is now known as uh, the, it's Northrop Grumman's shipyard in Pascagoula, Mississippi, which I believe is still the largest non-nuclear naval shipyard um, in I the U.S. I think it's still called the same thing, though. I think so. It, yeah, it, it was originally called Ingalls, Ingalls Shipbuilding.
0: Yeah, they got bought out. Yeah. I um, oh. I barely made it through Betty Crocker Calculus. Um, <laughs> I started with the math for non-majors, which they just called math applications. Because yeah. I had to have the three three math classes, it was, it was brutal.
1: Yeah. So no, I was I was a naval architect, and I would survey Aegis cruisers <laughs> and destroyers, and I didn't know anybody in Mississippi, and I got bored, and I started writing anime fan fiction, specifically okay. Sailor Moon fan fiction.
0: That's why you like Paul Cooley, okay? That's,
1: that this is why I can sympathize with all of the Sailor Cooley jokes. <laughs> yes. Because I, and it was to the point where I, I had the fan fiction website. I was drawing my own fan art. It was, it was hardcore misguided twenties. I
2: knew there was a reason I loved you. Do you have a
0: favorite sailor <laughs> moon? It. Do you have a favorite sailor scout or whatever they call
1: them? Wait, who's your scout? Um, it was, it, it's usually been sailor Pluto because I could like, I, I loved the time travel and all of the dark mysteriousness. Um, no, Pluto's amazing. Pluto is amazing. Yeah. So, and also the green, she could always rock the green. But I got bored, and I was writing fan fiction, and the, so so there was all this always always doing fan fiction, and then put that aside. Had a couple of well, I had one kid, and then uh, I got back into writing fan fiction. I was playing a video game called uh, City of Heroes which is now it was closed and then there was a bunch of stuff that went on and it's now being run in numerous instances by fans. Um, But got into the game, was writing fan, so superhero fan fiction about my characters and other people's characters. And I had my second child, some of my friends through the game were putting out a podcast. They were right. They pretty much, they took their stories from the game, filed off the serial numbers, changed a couple things. And then they were going to put these stories out as a podcast. And I was listening to them. And because at 3 a.m. when you have a newborn, you kind of have to stay awake. So I was listening to stories to stay awake. And then I started repeating the same stories. And I very politely in whatever postpartum mess I was in, emailed them and said guys when are there any new stories and they said oh we lost our narrator and i said oh i did theater in college i I could try to read a story for you and so i volunteered to narrate superhero stories while i had a six-month-old and a three-year-old in my house and i was finishing my master's degree in teaching mathematics and working full-time Cause you didn't have
2: anything better. To- Cause
1: I didn't have anything better to do. I mean, who do need sleep?
2: Sleep. I mean the the things the lengths we will go to for our fandom, man. Oh yeah.
1: And so you win. I. You win. So they they sent me a story, and I didn't know I had a little like twenty dollar USB stick mic, and I just I I told the story like I was you know acting out the story to a bunch of friends and they're like, Oh, that's great. Here's another one and another one and another one. And I pretty much just got the gig through volunteering. People started listening to that and asking me if I would narrate other stories for their podcasts and it just kind of snowballed from there. And after the first season of the podcast finished, um, they had an author leave, and they said, oh, well, you we know that you write, and you know all of the characters and storylines. Do you want to come write with us? I'm like, uh, hell yeah, I'll come play. Because in my brain, if I get to collaborate and write with people, it's just my brain goes, oh, we're going to play story. So they let me play story with them through four books <laughs> and an anthology. And Yeah. So I I got this sweet gig by playing video games and watching anime and I'm a terrible role model for my siblings.
0: Hmm. I've actually uh, rolled dice with you. you Every
2: fan I know, every member in fandom I know is incredibly jealous of you right now.
1: My, JR mentioned my, my, uh, one of my sisters, Cass, and she I, I joke that I'm a terrible role model, but out of all all five of us kids in my family, um, she she is the one who turned me on to watching Doctor Who. She's the one who gave who gave me a crash course in D and D. She actually writes fifth edition ancillary materials, um, and is delightfully hardcore nerdy. So.
0: So we you, did okay, when I did the, the i
1: at,
2: we need to hang out in person. Oh yeah. Oh yes.
0: So doc when we when I was still doing the um, old school uh, sci-fi writers doing old school d DD, I think, or some long, long title for that podcast we did. We you had V on. And the, yeah, and then she uh she was like uh my sister's not gonna believe that I got to, to roll dice with the legendary James Ward. So we're like, invite <laughs> her too, because <laughs> I was handling <laughs> the booking. <laughs> James is a lot of fun. He's a nice guy. She calls him Grandpa really Santa. Nice.
2: He kept calling me... I did it at Christmas time, and he kept calling me young lady, and I kept calling him Santa.
0: He thought it was hilarious. He still remembers, by the way. But, uh, um, I, I,
2: I mean, I adored him. I would have found something much worse to call him, but I, he was so sweet and nice.
1: He, he so. was... The... The... the Challenging escapade that happened when I did the when I did the 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 um <laughs> the little bit of campaign with them. I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: I'll and then do James hard... put her on the spot, you and she made you up a story.
1: Oh, dude, I wrote those for like I had that stuff queued up. I wrote I, it's still somewhere here in case I decide to use that character again. But oh no, I wrote that shit up. Sorry, stuff.
0: Well, no, no, it's okay. You can cuss. We try not to, but uh, it was. It's interesting. So I will, you, you I already... will say
1: the
2: nice thing is one second. Shush. One of the best things about playing with James Ward is because he's been doing it for so long, and he really knows how to do it as it started. Like he knows he did. It was a gygax style ep- campaign when I did it with him, and he knows. Versus like all the oh no. Like the hardest thing is calculating the armor and you just go with whatever the d and d dungeon master says like seriously he he was amazing and it was it was a one of a kind game and I'm so glad that I got to do it because I got to do an old school style d and d game as it was originally intended, which wasn't to make it overly complicated, but to make it fun.
0: yeah, it was a lot of fun. so now um we're gonna pivot um a little bit get us back on track you already told us your your some of your formative moments uh as a creator in the last answer so we're going to move on and when you're when you're you know you as the nerd do you ever listen to audiobooks books uh, of other people's writing
1: oh yeah that's like I, I it's required if you're a narrator you have to listen to other people um
0: will you listen to yourself though
1: i've listened I've listened to my stuff if I've done like full cast drama things um, because then I can listen to the interactions with other people. But I generally don't go back and listen to the stories myself. Um, nobody likes to hear their own voice. And I'd rather hear, and, it's, and in, in the case of that, it's like, I know the story, I'm not going to be surprised. Whereas if I'm listening to yeah. somebody else, I can go, "Ooh, that's going to happen. and
0: you know, i'm in a couple of um <clears throat> facebook groups for podcasters because you know they we give each other tips on the editing and stuff and i have yet and myself included i've yet to meet anybody that does that kind of work and thinks they sound good
1: nobody likes to the sound of their own voice
0: i know when it, i worked at it just... i worked at starbucks to pay my way through grad school and i had to drive through so you know i do funny voices just to make the day go by Oh yeah. uh and i was hopped up on caffeine because you know we got free espresso right um and uh, that's everyone's like, "Oh, you you have funny voices!" And I listen to myself. I'm like, "No, no, that's kind of cringe. I don't know what you're talking about." So, <laughs> all right, Doc, you get to start asking the fun audiobook questions. Are you ready for this?
2: Okay. So, since you've started doing this, have you had any funny uh,
1: fan interactions? The let's see, fan interactions. One of the earliest ones that happened, um, when I was still recording episodes for the secret world Chronicle podcast, which was like my in to everything. Um, I would go on Facebook live or, or use discord and I would narrate everything. Well, that book has like 150 some unique characters and most of them have individual voices and there's a whole Russian contingent of superheroes. So I, at one point I would go on and I'd, you know, load stuff up and I would just broadcast me doing the episode. And there were a couple people who've logged in and they were like, wait, it's just you? I'm like, yes. The person here with the mom face is doing all of the voices. And they're like, we thought it was like five or six people. I'm like, no, no, that's just me. How are all those voices coming out of you? Practice so it's i i joke have soccer mom face and i don't necessarily look like the sort of person who is going to have this range and characterization and then when people see me do it live they're like oh my gosh how do you do that i don't know just just do it
0: so when you did (laughs) that one um (laughs) The villain from the very first Empire of Bones book, Breckenridge, did you really put marbles in your mouth when you talked like him? Because it sounded like it to me.
1: No, um, I do. For that, it was more a case of... Let me preface this. Everybody has kind of their, their own way to explain how they do a voice or an accent. And mine is very much how do I change the muscles in my jaw the shape of my tongue and the space inside my mouth to alter the the noise and for Breckenridge it was a case of I had to imagine um like a really saggy jowled and I I may have based him on someone I I used to work for and really didn't like um so it was easy to (laughs) really messed with that so I just thought of just those very saggy jowls and I would flatten my tongue out and I didn't have marbles on my mouth but it was keeping the muscles at the bottom corners of my lip very loose so you wind up pushing all of the air around and down Um, and so it does sound like you have marbles in your mouth and then you just assume you're an ass and act so so yeah but it's that that's one of the fun parts is figuring out how to embody the character and like have the attitude but also the also the the voice but you have to it's not just making the voice you have to Hold yourself a certain way or gesture a certain way, and that brings the character forward so that you can hear all of the energy. Um, because you can't see an audiobook.
2: No, you sure. can't.
1: And your audiobooks
2: really come to life. Like I felt like I could actually see these characters, which is why Kelsey is the main character.
0: Jared, Jared is the main character. You're wrong. They started, named the Jared Jared. Is they started ever the series the main with Jared. They started the series with Jared. I mean, did they open with the nope. princess or Nobody Jared? That's named all I'm saying. Jared
2: is ever the main character. Just letting you know, JR.
0: I mean, you can be wrong. Uh, and, and Veronica doesn't I get a say because be she's wrong. biased by, by knowing Terry can. for too long. <laughs> One day they'll agree with me. I will convince them. I will convert them to the Church of Jared.
2: No, no,
1: you won't.
0: So if you want to join this great debate right up there wait wait wait, wait.
1: Of- Veronica who's the main yes. character to you <laughs> See? It depends upon the story being told because there are certainly some there are some tomes within the series where <laughs> the story is more Jared focused and there are some where it is more Kelsey focused and But if you, if you subscribe to the idea that the main character is the one who changes the most over the arc of a story, I would argue that Kelsey experiences more change than Jared does. Uh,
0: okay. At
1: least over the big, like over the huge arc, but there are yeah, subsets. Because yeah. Jared starts... This is
2: actually on the back of the book, so it's not a spoiler if somebody's Mm. like, what series? This is the Empire of Bone series, and it's on the back of the book. Is that Jared is the ill-gotten son of the Emperor who found out when he went to college when he went to military school. So his earth-shattering identity change happens pre-course, and it's the series is more his personal story arc is more about him growing into Mm. that role of being, whereas I have to be very vague because I don't want to give away any spoilers. Kelsey's role massively switches and her entire identity changes like two, three times in the series. And so, I mean, you, you could argue three, but it definitely changes a minimum of two times. So if you're going with that, you're right. That's a great definition. If it's yeah. the person with the most change, it's definitely her. Cjr, I was right.
0: I mean, you know... <laughs> Nobody's perfect, and you're no exception, so we're going to let that slide and just say you're both wrong. Uh, if you want to join the great debate, just go buy the Empire of Bones series. You can buy the box set, get three or four books at a time. Some of them have new short stories. Terry Mixon will thank you. Veronica will thank you. You can listen and join the conversation over on the Facebook page. Uh, the Blasters and Blades podcast. The
2: audience can't tell. This is a long-standing argument.
0: I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of long-standing arguments. I've got one with my, with my stepdad that's been going on for... Uh, I was 12 when it happened, so uh, he made a bet with me, Veronica. He made a bet with me that I couldn't hit the bullseye at the archery range when I was with Boy Scouts, and Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, He would specify that it wasn't my bullseye, so I lost and I owe him $20. My contention was he never specified which one. The fact that it was four rows over and three rows back has no bearing on the fact that I hit a bullseye. And we've been having that debate and not paying that $20 since – (laughs) 1980-something. <laughs> wow. On his deathbed, he will admit that I was right. I can feel it.
2: He was in the Navy. He won't admit anything.
0: All right, Doc, back to the fandom questions. Since you went out of order. <laughs> <Loosely>. so, <laughs> I
2: like that. Has anyone ever cosplayed one of your characters?
1: No. Not that I know of. What about fandom? Um, yeah. Art? Oh, yeah, I'm a sucker for fan art. I love fan art because I can't draw. Um, My favorite was one of the first podcast novels I narrated um, because it never it wasn't anywhere else. But but in audio and it was a it was like an epic fantasy. And the main character was a for lack of a better word, she was a succubus. And there was an artist who wound up drawing her literally just based on the story that was told. And I saw the, um, I saw the image and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. And he was like, you really think so? I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. And when the author was trying to get, um, he was looking at putting the book out in print and we wound up asking that author, not the author, asking that artist if he would do the cover. Um, Because neither one of us could believe that he had gotten that detail in specific off literally just a a story being told. I was like, that's so neat.
0: So. That is kind of cool. I have zero artistic ability. I can draw stick figures and that's about it. That's very terrible. I've
2: seen them. His mom did not save any of his art from growing up for a reason.
0: Well, I had an elementary school art teacher that told me I was colorblind. So art wasn't for me because I couldn't do the shading. And I just never tried after that. It was boring. I read a book instead.
1: Well. I, so I, I think what I
2: was the first time? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. We'll let you win um uh, so what was the first time that you recall signing a book and what was that like
1: okay so that was it it's it was really weird in a cool way so the first time I remember signing a book it was actually not a book I had written but it was one that I had it was it was the first book of the secret world Chronicle series. And I had narrated the podcast um, up to that point. So we used the podcast to generate interest to show that there was an audience for it. And then Bayon picked up the series. So, and then. Oh, cool. Bayen was Yeah. So Bayon was super generous and they let us keep going with the podcast, even as we were publishing the book. And then. um the audiobook version, which, I which don't narrate it? it. It is the Secret World Chronicle. A pod well I, what I would say it's the Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagger. Um, so well, so yeah. I know this so, one. Yes. I, uh, so, so that's the last I book. He- Pardon Maya. We have no story Bible. I just have post-it tabs.
0: So I she think I love
1: you. <laughs> no, that's just because when we're when we're working on like other stuff, um, being the narrator also means that you're often the the stand in mm-hmm. series bible, which I've done for Terry on more than one occasion. So, so yeah. But I was at I was at Dragon Con, and it was my first Dragon. Wait, first Dragon you've been to Dragon Con? Yes. My first book signing okay. the Dragon Con. Then you have to come hang out with me next time. I haven't I haven't been to Dragon Con in years. Um, mostly because it's over Labor Day weekend. And I feel is- like I've missed out on seeing you now.
0: She's gonna need a moment of uh, of silence for, for the missed opportunities. Um so we talked about you liking um audiobooks do you have a favorite narrator other than yourself obviously
1: so uh one of my favorite narrators at least because she's a double threat um is mary robinette cole and because she her lady astronaut series if you like alternate alternate history, but because it deals with like the space race in the sixties, I would classify it as science fiction as well. Um, it's so good. It is so good. Um, and it's got the right, it's just, it's got just the right amount of like science and math and astronomy and orbital mechanics that you're like, Oh, this is so cool. And her narration is just spot on. Um, And she also does really good historical fantasy um, with, there's a title that she has set during world war Um, one. Yeah. She, she's a stickler for historical accuracies. Um, So her um, Robin miles, I love listening to because Robin has best command of accents and characterization. Um she narrated NK Jemison's 5th season.
0: Okay. Oh, series. I have
2: heard her voice. That is that book not a goddess. <gasps> that is book great. is a masterclass. Yes. But that book is also like like the story itself is kind of dramatizing. It is. It is, but the, the, it it's, I have a friend who told me, and we're not gonna go do spoilers, but I had a friend who told me to go read it. Mm-hmm. And I immediately read the first chapter, and I came back and told them that if they ever recommended a book that opens like that without telling me, I would hurt them.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's in ways there's, that
2: the army and the Geneva Convention would not approve of.
1: Yeah, there's there are definitely some times where you yeah.
0: That's all i will great. say um all i'll say was, doc yeah. is, oh go ahead i
1: was gonna say the book that that particular series is great i will say from a writer's perspective because it is one of the rare moments where someone writes in the second person and makes it work
2: and it is oh it, it is it is definitely yeah. a craft it is yeah she the craft yeah. is there Be- Beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it, yeah. it's not, for me, it was not a very fun read as much as it was a good read.
1: Yeah, that that's accurate. Um, and then on the, I guess on the male narrator side, um, I love listening to a lot of lit RPG and kind of your cultivation novels. That's my jam right now. So Travis Baldry, hands down. I love <laughs> Travis. He's got such a great voice and he's a really nice guy. Um so I listened to the zombie apocalypse series um, written by David Petri, also pixel dust written by David Petri. Both are fantastic and he needs to write the rest of them. So I can keep listening to them because darn it cliffhangers. Um, and then the Cos Adam, I just finished listening to the euphoria online. Um, and what I loved about that was the like dynamic characterization. Anytime I can get somebody who does beautiful character voices and can like keep the pace going and you get so upset that you yell at, you know, the car speaker as you're driving. You're like, why did you do that? No. And people look at you on either side of the lane. They're like, what is this woman yelling about in her car? It's like, but this person just died and the dragons did this and the goblins did that. And how dare you? So, yeah.
0: Okay. And Dr. saw <laughs> me in the side chat exactly what happened at the opening of that book. And, and all I have to say is, yeah, that, that really was dark. So to, uh, to lighten the mood before we do that lovely commercial interlude, uh, this is the part of the interview where <laughs> Veronica gets to tell us uh, what her um, body of work is. So, so what have you narrated? What are you uh, famous for? or infamous or infamous
1: so as veronica jaguer um i the most most of the stuff i've done i've narrated uh the secret world chronicle podcast novel series that's where i started book wise um empire of bones humanity unlimited by terry mixon um i it's a lot of military sci-fi space opera um thrive space colony adventures by ginger booth um that's a great space opera i kind of think of that as firefly meets the expanse so both pluses of my book and then uh as my pseudonym vivian ferrari she narrates more of the spicy things so that would be the paranormal romance the kind of niche romance things um the reverse harem or why choose um and more of the the spicier lit rpg so your your harem rpg and yeah so it's
0: doc are you gonna need a moment you're gonna be okay
1: you have to understand some of the first work that i did was for romance and erotica podcasts and that i mean who hasn't
0: done there to pay for editing right
1: well and and that's and that's the thing i i did it because the writing was really good and i genuinely enjoyed the story
0: honest mom we bought the magazine for the stories
1: (laughs) it was for the articles i swear but it's it's you know any a lot of genre stuff be it horror be it romance be it even erotica it's meant to elicit a feeling and if you can do that well you win so i've there's certain things in books that i narrate where i'm like oh well that's tame all right because the blush has been burned out of my cheeks for 10 years
0: Yeah. I would say that the definition where spicy and vanilla meat has been the Overton window for that discussion has changed. Mm. And then after 50 shades of whatever you want to call that series, it's gone even farther in a different direction. So it's a weird world we're in right now, but, uh, On that note, because we're a family-friendly podcast, people, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man and the woman. Uh, Veronica was kind enough to sponsor this episode, so you'll also get to hear a sample of her narration. So, play it.
1: The Terran Empire is dead. Long live the Empire. Commander Jared Mertz, the bastard son of the Emperor, and his half-sister, Princess Kelsey, barely speak to one another. To their dismay, their father seizes an opportunity to change that and sends them on a dangerous quest to explore the Fallen Empire. Separated from home by an impassable gulf and struggling to redefine their relationship, they find themselves thrust into a vicious war. Unless they work together to stop the Empire's deadly legacy, billions face a horrific fate. Empire of Bones Written by Terry Mixon. Now available at Amazon.com.
0: All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Um, and as usual, she's, she's cringing a little bit at her own voice. She laughed through the entire commercial. But such is, the, such is life. But uh, by having her sponsor, you also got to sample some of her early work. So if you want her where she is now, skill-wise, you'll have to buy her newest uh, and brightest um, collection that's out there. Um, but yeah, so thanks for sticking with us. But uh, right now we're going to dive in to the uh, to the world of your awesome narration career. We'll have you back to talk about Secret Worlds. That sounds like a, a separate a- uh, episode. You mentioned that you started with podcasting just sort of on your own, but do you have any formal audiobook narration training, acting, like, well, you mentioned you acted, but like, what, what was your training specific to um, narration?
1: I... Didn't get any formal narration training until, oh goodness, I want to say at least five or six years in. And that was working with a couple coaches for fiction and nonfiction because you use different techniques for both. And now I try to do workshops and kind of professional development on a yearly basis so I can improve because nobody's perfect. And there's certainly things I need to learn specific to certain genres. So, it's it, with with narration. It's oftentimes you you know you you brush up on things one on one with a coach, and sometimes they'll specialize in accents. Sometimes they'll specialize in a certain genre um, or a certain type of narration. So,
0: okay. And before Doc so, asks for so questions, what is your I favorite say, Doc? Give me just a second before we uh, ask. Let Doc ask her questions. We mentioned that we found her through the Dead Robot Society, so this is the little no, art. Is there? You found uh, her through the, the Dead
2: podcast. Robot Society.
0: Well, and you found her through me, so it still counts. No, but that is that is the uh, cover or the uh, advertising art for the uh, for the podcast. So. If you're interested, we'll leave that up for a little bit. You can check that out there. It's a fun podcast if you're interested in being creative. Now, with that interruption out of the way, doc, now, now you can ask question 21. I am sorry I interrupted.
2: You, 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 you. I will send you a pineapple on your pizza next time. Anyway, so um, what is your favorite genre to narrate?
1: You know, I really it it's it is that like I like space opera and sci-fi because that's kind of like where I started. And at the same time, you know, I like, I like a good, you know, cheesy romance with tropes and predictable characters because, you know, sometimes you want something cozy and- It's comfy. Yeah, it's, if it's written well on, a lot of times the genre doesn't matter. I've narrated really strange, like, psychological thrillers that were so well written, and the characters were so compelling. I had more fun with those than you know, maybe a light comedy. I just finished narrating a book in a relatively new genre, which is called um, contemporary paranormal women's fiction, which is pretty much After a mouthful it is but it's so it it's contemporary fiction geared towards usually women but there is a paranormal or fantastical aspect that um centers on some kind of midlife crisis so essentially in this one there's a magical bakery and it was so well written that after I delivered the files, I was like, I need to make those like chocolate orange scones she talks about, cause that sounds really good. So any book that compels me to bake, I'm all over that.
0: So um, how, yeah, no,
1: that's-
0: how is that different than say urban fantasy or paranormal fantasy or paranormal romance even?
1: So it depends on like what your your A story and your B story are. In paranormal romance, the romance itself—that's that's your arc, that's your main piece—and it just happens to use paranormal elements. So you can have you can have the same like main you know, romance trope, like the enemies to lovers trope, but the enemies just happen to be, you know. Cat shifters or werewolves or vampires, um, but that that trope still carries through so that romance bit with a paranormal setting with urban fantasy, it relies upon the fantastical I mean that's your that's your Harry Dresden that is um, and you know with Dresden, there are some romance elements in there for certain arcs, but it's not the main thing. So that, that's kind of your your differentiation there.
0: Okay. All right. Back to your regularly scheduled questioning, Doc.
2: <laughs> he makes it sound like I'm torturing people, but she seems so happy. I am. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. I love it. We are going to have to have you on because we could go on for hours. Oh, yeah. So. But how do you keep all these characters in
1: your head straight? Um, compulsion and slight neurodivergence. Um,
2: uh, uh, hey, I <laughs> I have mad respect for rocking the neurodivergent and making it, it work. It's for it.
1: It, it's so like everybody has archetypes, and there are kind of archetypal voices when I prep a script, everything gets highlighted in certain colors and certain voices have certain colors. So empire of bones, for example, um, I have a master document when I'm prepping things and the main characters, they all have hex codes next to their name. So I know what, you know, highlighter color to use for the script. Jared's voice is an orange. Those that's usually the color for a, a male character that has that mid-range, you know, authoritative voice. Talbot's is a darker orange Um, because there are times when he kind of creeps up into main character, you know, for for certain arcs. I love Talbot. Um, Talbot is... <sighs> Talbot's fun. Talbot's got that, like, big, swaggery, gravelly voice that is fun to play. Um, Let's see, Kelsey is pink. Hers is like a salmon pink, and that's kind of like my my go-to female main character voice. Elise is kind of a pinkish magenta. Um, And with a lot of characters, getting the voice is also having a gesture or a posture. So um, Jared's is that kind, that very politician-y sort of like thumb down gesturing as you're speaking because he's very deliberate in his tone and he needs to say what he says and mean it. Um, Elise has what I call princess voice and it's like Disney princess voice. So if I need Mm. to do, and, and she has a, kind of your fantasy elf British accent. So if I'm doing her voice, literally my hands are kind of at my side, like that, that prissy little princess pose. And so she talks like this the entire time and she's so pleased to make your acquaintance. Um, so it's, it's about the, the color helps cue things. And then I remember the gesture. And then if it's a really big cast, um, I will go and I'll take snippets from what I've recorded and just label them sample underscore so-and-so. And as they come up in chapters, I will grab those files, throw them into you know the software program, and I'll play them so I know what they sound like and I can cue in on that.
0: So you sound like you're extremely organized and my brain hurts just thinking about it. There's a reason I wasn't a scientist. But having said that, <laughs> do you feel like you're an anomaly in the in the audiobook yeah. narrator space when it comes to that? Or are they all that narr- uh, organized?
1: Yes. Now, the, the, the highlighting with colors for different characters, that's not something that everybody does. Um, but enough people do it. And in terms of like having samples for different characters that's something that a lot of people do and it winds up being a lifesaver when you're working on a series because everyone likes to bring back that character in book nine that you haven't seen since book three and somewhere there's a listener who's gonna go you didn't make her sound the same way how very dare you
0: okay yeah that um those those dedicated readers are out there most of the time the reason the author hasn't used that character is because they forgot they existed
2: true i will always say this one time and again the devil is into details but so are the fans yes yes
0: so do you prepare for every book the same regardless of genre
1: yeah i think some genres require a little more prep um when you're dealing with a very kind of epic expansive world where an author creates names or creates like places and you're asking for pronunciations, that takes a little more fine combed reading. Um, whenever I do any kind of military science fiction, especially if it's set near future, I always try to make sure that I have a, um, acronyms and certain sayings, right? One thing that I've learned to ask that made sense to me was how do you want your numbers said? Because I know that not every branch says numbers the same way. Oh,
0: the alpha numeric. Okay. Radio voice, essentially.
1: Well, no, no, there's, there's radio voice and I can, I, I, I know, know your alpha beta, there, there's the alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and then alpha, bravo, charlie, etc. There's that, but it's literally like, am I talking about two nine or tac one four five, or is it two nine or dash one four five? How am I, you know, it, it, it's little things like that because <coughs> I know, especially with military sci-fi and considering listeners experiences, any little thing can pull them out of the listening experience. And it's, I, I do it all the time. If I listen to stuff that's about where I'm from or places that I've been, or if you're trying to do an accent with certain words, my inner critic will jump out and I'll go, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, nobody's perfect. Cut them some slack. But it also took me out of listening experience. So I I try to minimize those things when I'm putting together a book.
0: Okay. And a lot of times the ones that get upset are the ones where like 12 people on earth know that one tidbit of detail to get it right. And the listener just happens to be one of them and you like, yeah, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah.
0: So how long does it take you to prepare like a, a book? Like, is it, you know, one page equals one hour? Like, obviously that's the extreme calculation, but what is the calculation for you on length of the book versus the book prep?
1: Um, for a, for a 70,000 word book, it will usually take me about six to eight hours to prep. And that's, I read through the book at least twice. Um, I go through and mark it. I'll, I'll pull PDF, mark chapters, highlight characters, um, check any, vocabulary or sayings or foreign phrases, highlight those, put definitions in. Um, So yeah, that's, that's usually about six to eight hours. And the majority of that is the highlighting the actual reading. um, I speed read and it is a wonderful tool as a narrator. And it makes authors hate me because I consume books. I'm like, Ooh, are you done with that one yet? No, I just finished writing that three days ago. How very dare you! So, mm-hmm.
0: I've been so, yeah. guilty of that a few times.
2: I can only imagine. Yeah. So. Yeah, I stopped asking my friends when they're going to be done with their next book.
0: But they don't. You, you know, so many authors that makes a different equation. Um, so, I know,
2: you- One second. My favorite thing to do is to tell them to go write me a book when they're like, "I have to go." No, like, okay, go write me my book.
0: You do that to Nick, too, poor guy. That's why he's not here. He's hiding. He hasn't made her that comic book, and he's hiding. <gasps> our, our, our other co-host, Nick Garber, is a uh, is a comic book artist. Uh, so he's an indie comic book guy. Um, so you No, know, he
2: actually asked JR if I was nagging him. And he goes, why is she nagging me? And, I went, and he goes, that's her being supportive.
0: I mean, he's married to a girl that threatened to stab him the first time we met the two of them. So I don't, I don't know what he's, like, he's used to this. That's why we call his wife, Madam Stabby. So when we first. first...
2: By the way, I told him that he needed to ranger up because he's a ranger.
0: This is true. So to keep a a long story short, when we did the test run to make sure the chemistry between the three of us worked in person as it did in text, I guess we started talking longer than we thought. And two hours later, his wife's like, I just cooked dinner and it's cold. Come eat it now or I will stab you. And She had a butcher knife. And from then on, it was Madam Stabby and we love her for it. So clearly we have issues having said that. So you mentioned what you do to prepare for a book. We're going to get back to the, to the Veronica train because Nick's just a little too crazy for this episode. Um, do you read it before you do that prep or do you just, as you're reading it the first time you're, you're doing the prep as you go?
1: Um, I read while I prep, but usually the, the deeper read comes in when I'm highlighting, um, for characters. But when I go in, so if I, after I prep everything, then when I go into the booth to record, I'll skim through the chapter before I sit down and record it to make sure I know what's coming up, um, what's happening, what characters are going to be there, kind of what the the mood is. So I can adjust how I'm narrating and just my overall energy. sounds very artsy. I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. So does that make it hard for you to enjoy the books you're working on?
1: No, no. Um, because I can get into the zone of narrating. Kind of like the that that idea of flow where you get into your work so much that you're just kind of enjoying being there. Right. If I start narrating and I get to the end of a chapter and I don't really remember what happened, I'm like, oh that's probably going to sound really good whenever they go back and proof it. But if a, if I know that I'm focused on what I'm doing, then nothing else really matters.
0: So speaking of nothing else really matters, (laughs) that's a horrible segue, but we're going to blame doc for this one. How do you determine which stories you take and which ones you pass on? Like, are there's some that just, you know, this isn't a good fit for me. It's,
1: It usually comes down to, am I the right voice for it? If there's a project that comes along and th- it requires a lot of um, a lot of male voices for where the perspective is also from the male perspective, and it's probably better served by a male narrator, then I'll say, you know what? You might want to consider somebody else because. Not everyone, and again, it's with certain genres. But again, when it comes to science fiction and military science fiction, if the narrator doesn't fit, it's gonna pull the listener out. and it's if someone can do the job better and do do the book justice thing do better than I can, I would rather the author work with that person. Um, because at the end of the day it's about the story and I'm not always the best fit for the story. I have very few um, like I will not narrate this pieces and it's usually for my pseudonym. Um, I do look at the quality of writing because if I'm going to have to sit and kind of narrate and edit well that's going to take time and i don't get paid to edit that's a totally separate fee <sighs> yeah that's okay that's that's, that's, really that's fair
0: that. that's fair um so one of the things i've heard joking in uh in the audiobook communities is some people for whatever reason listen to us they're in audiobooks at you know 1.25 one and a quarter speed i want in a quarter and 1.25, 1.25 is the same thing one in, in a half, like they, they speed up the book. Doc, don't math me. All right. You're going to math shame me and that's not okay. Does it bug you as a narrator? If they listen to your, your books faster?
1: No, I speed read. Why am I going to, you know, harp on somebody for listening faster?
0: No math shaming here, doc. We don't do that here. It's a math shaming free zone. All right. That's a, that's a fair answer. I know some, I don't know if it's a joke that they like that they really don't care or they do, but I've seen that discussion come up where people seemed like they were offended.
1: I I mean, I can understand why people would get offended that, you know, maybe you're like, oh my gosh, you're not listening to the story as it was performed. And sure, but once you put the work out there, you really don't have any control how, how... wow, because it's not written. I can't say it straight. Pardon me. (laughs) Once it's out there in the wild, you don't really have any control about how people consume it. So,
0: You're just glad when they paid for it. Yeah. No pineapple on pizza, Doc. That's a heresy. Wait a minute, Veronica. Where do you weigh in on this discussion? The great pineapple on pizza debate.
1: It only works with certain toppings. It can't be on there all the time and it's definitely not on cold pizza because there are certain toppings that work on cold pizza really well. Yeah. Uh, so so it's it's definitely a hot topping only with Canadian bacon and I think banana peppers. I haven't tried the banana peppers, but with the olives it works. If you get the good salty ones, see I, I I'm a fan of olives on pizza, but it has to be like you've dumped like three cans of olives on pizza and the only other thing is mushrooms it's like mushroom and olive pizza okay you
2: and i can go out for pizza together (laughs) is
1: like uh, disappointing you jr i can feel it wait
2: can i do this it's okay i can remove jr from the stream if he has too much of a problem (laughs)
0: All right. So last question. So most of these questions, we we gear this towards our our listening and audience base, which are all like nerds and readers and and listeners. They're not necessarily other authors, but because I know a couple of other authors do listen, I'm going to ask you this question. What should a writer or a publisher who's looking to hire a narrator, maybe you, maybe someone else do before to prep in advance? Like what would make your job easier as a narrator?
1: So the biggest thing that they can do is if they've got that story Bible or they've got that list of characters or they've got that story summary, offer that Um, or I'll ask for it. But have that there so that when you do find your narrator and they want to know, tell me about the characters, tell me about the story. If it's a series, if you know how the series is going to end or you know that certain characters are going to be together or have a certain dynamic later on, let your narrator know because that's gonna influence the choices that we make in characterization. Had I known certain things about certain characters, um, I would have chosen slightly different voices because going back and forth in dialogue can be a strain um, if one voice is super high and another is super low. Um, If they're looking for narrators, one of the biggest things I think it's impo- that's important for authors to know is you don't have to just go through, you know, ACX or Findaway or another kind of marketplace. You can go directly to a narrator. I have never really heard of a narrator, especially one who works with independent authors, say, no, I don't want anyone contacting me. You know via email directly, they have to go through ACX, they have to go through Find a Way. No, if you like somebody's voice and you're serious about putting that audiobook out, drop them an email, send them a message through their Facebook page, and say, Hi, I'm an author, this is where my stuff is, this is what I'm looking to do, what's your availability? Can we talk about budgeting? Because we like to work and I just i want to see more books get out in the wild and there are lots of options i know of publishers who don't just help distribute books but they also manage marketing and a lot of authors are afraid of marketing well if you contact me I say, like, oh so what's the genre what do you want to do what's your budget how are you at marketing i have a solution here because i like referring work to my friends and colleagues narration is a very small pond and I know people.
0: That sounds very ominous. I know people.
1: I do know people, but they're really cool people.
2: But she's okay, awesome, fair. so it's okay. She can know all the people she wants.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, yeah, that's that's interesting. So do you have a, a preference as far as, um, like, genre like you, you've answered your favorite but if you had to just narrate one for the rest of your career this is just a one fun one for the road if you could only narrate one more genre for the rest of your career would you pick the romance that you've done with the little side of spice or would you pick the space opera oh, man. like asking you to pick your favorite children uh, but we all it. know you all have the favorites we know this
2: it's not you JR it's okay yeah.
0: Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to agree with her, Veronica. Well,
1: they're different favorites for different reasons. I mean, I can have, you, go. you know, you have the favorite kid you'll take shopping. You have the favorite one to help you clean. You have the favorite oh, my one mother always told us her,
2: her favorite one was the fir- one that lived the farthest away. And then she wondered why we moved
1: away. I just say I have the perfect middle child because I only have one middle child. And so he is the perfect middle child.
0: I sympathize with the middle child syndrome. Yeah. I do. So, right.
2: nothing child.
0: See, there's a theory of parenting. So with the first child they make lots of mistakes cuz they don't know any better. Then with the middle child, everything they learned from the oldest child gets rammed down the throat of the middle child who suffers all the abuse for the stuff the oldest got away with. By the time they have the youngest kid, they're so tired. They're like, "Yeah, I mean, he's got a pulse. He didn't die. What good?" That's, See, that's my parents. This
1: this feels scary accurate.
0: As the middle yeah. child, I, I can relate. So, I, I, your middle child has my sympathy. Uh, we will empathize.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> trust me, that child. Well, he's taking his SATs tomorrow, but he'll be fine.
0: He's a. He'll be fan. fine. All right. So clearly, this is uh, winding down. But before we let you go, Veronica, was there anything about your audiobook um, production and and how they can um, engage with that with you that you wanted to tell us before we let you go?
1: Gosh. Um... You know, you can always find me on I've got a you can always find me on Facebook. Um, I have a page for my narration and I try to keep updates there. You can pretty much find me on social media as voices by Veronica. So Facebook.com forward slash voices by Veronica. You can find me on Instagram where I'll post things about promoting books and baking stuff and writing and they're probably going to be cat pictures because you know my fuzzy HR department. I'm on Mastodon as V for voice because it's shorter and that's V-F-O-R, V-O-I-C-A. and if you want to see what I've narrated you can go to Audible and search for Veronica Jaguer and if you want to see what my pseudo has narrated you can search for Vivian Ferrari and that's Vivian with two N's and three E's, V-I-V-I-E-N-N-E, and then Ferrari like the car, because why not?
0: I mean, who wasn't wanted to drive a Ferrari? But uh, see, she's—that's one thing that Veronica's kept us on her toes because she knew the questions, so she would answer them out of order just to see if we were paying attention. So, so kudos for that—a little, little expertise move. Because you know, you've been podcasting for a while yourself—you know, a couple, couple years. Uh, before I let you go dear listener I will remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms Your reviews help the right readers find the right books And this is especially important in audiobooks Because that is the the place where you tell them not just is the book good But was the person reading it to you good And that is important because sometimes Even bad books can get great narration and they deserve credit for that So so do your part people and uh, as usual, Veronica's show no- or, um, links will be in the show notes. We'll have all of that tracked down for you. You can track us down on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com. Again, podcast at gmail.com. You can send all the hate mail to Doc Seska at com. She loves to see your letters, so just you know, inundate that email box. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen over at facebook.com backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. We do have a Facebook page. As soon as you people get off your duff and you click the follow button, we will have enough to get a dedicated URL. But until then it is there in the ether with a slew of letters and numbers and hieroglyphs and stuff that Facebook does, but it's out there. So check it out. Uh, we have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Or you could support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co hosts, Doc Saska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until their liver surrenders.
2: I need more caffeine.
0: Yeah, we, we've been trying to get a mead company to sponsor us. But I guess ca- coffee is a little more wholesome. I mean, you guys got what's the dead in your cup or something?
2: Corpse, Corpse coffee.
0: coffee. There we go. Yeah. yeah. We weren't that cool. Maybe someday know, when we grow up. There's a guy
2: online who ha- on Facebook who has topane coffee. He's a paramedic, and I'm kind of liking it.
0: What is topane? Why do I not know what that is? is no, that's the name
2: of his coffee, topane. Okay. Never mind. Mind. It's obviously right, a medic thing you don't understand.
0: <laughs> now toe tags, I know what those are.
2: I know you know what those are. Those are your favorite. It's how you know your left foot from your right foot, Jr.
0: Sure. <laughs> it has nothing the to do with it. gun trucks were tasked with body Notice disposal this, and
2: no, not you're wrong. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for the Blasters and Blaze podcast crew of Nick Garber, and J.R. Handley. I'm da- Doc Seska, and this has been, well, an adventure. <laughs> be back. Some- we'll be back next time. Same place, same podcasting time. Enjoy your weekend. I don't know. I've had a lot of coffee today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for stopping by, Veronica. It was fun. And, and Doc Have didn't fangirl, time. but so bad. So we were good.